just like I was sharing. This guy calls me up. He's been in a lot of stress today. And the main thing he's coming up with is why. He can't find any reason why he's in stress. But the thing is, the stress isn't being produced. It's not like in a it's not like an appropriate response to the circumstances. It preempts or is prior to the circumstances. Yes? The circumstances are seen the way they're seen because of the reliance on self. Just like when I, I was at a uh, recovery meeting and a guy with many, many years had met this new woman and she was very up class and they, her friends and her went and drank wine with the best wines and, and had it with the best dinners and so he was like hanging out with them and he was getting really conflicted because he says, what am I going to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to either have to drink or never see, never see her again. Yeah? And I said, you know what? Don't even address that as the problem. Why not go help someone else, do some service, and then look at that situation? And I bet you you'll see it in a different light. Yeah? Because your mind will have shifted by doing the service and now, instead of seeing it as such a black and white, yes, no, either, or, maybe you can see, hey, yeah, some other possibility may drop in. Yeah? So it's not the situation that's provoking the reaction. Yeah? The reaction is, or is just a reaction to the basic condition that's allowing all those effects to occur. And those effects, they may look differently, but the same theme of the effects will keep on showing up until the basis is shifted. Yeah. So then I said, well, how about wearing this? You know, it says in the book that, why are you in fear today? Okay, now, you can ask that to millions of people, but he just disrupts that whole investigation, which would turn into a story. He says, isn't it because self-reliance has failed us? So now he has given you and I an incredible understanding that you may never have found yourself, which is you can just jump from A to Z. You don't have to go through B, C, D, E, and then back to C and B, because you'll forget you know, all the lessons. You can go right to Z and just hold it and see if it fits. Yeah. All right, so that's what I did. When I looked at my life, instead of looking who to blame and or, and how to become more right about things by seeing, you know, my how everyone fucked with me. When I went back and looked at my life from that that statement, hey, all your fear is arising not from the circumstances, but from the mental condition that's set in place, which is self-centeredness and the reliance of that. And the most, the most, the highest level of reliance is to take yourself to be something. You can't rely on it any more than that. Yeah, you, the most extreme reliance on self is when you're identified as a self. You can't get even more and more. There's no way you could be relied on anything else other than more than that because you've lost the sense of the other and you're just that. Yeah. So it's in reliance on that system called self-centeredness that is provoking this never-ending cascade of mental states that are framed in a lot of stress and anxiety. Yeah? And by trying to f figure out why, by looking at the picture and not seeing the frame, you're never going to get it. Yeah? So this is what I'm talking about with an understanding. But the understanding is just that. If the vision is graced, if the vision becomes a possibility, the understanding, though valuable, is put down because it's it's, in a sense, archaic compared to vision. Because vision is timeless. Vision is, isn't something the problem is holding to sort of uh, protect itself from more of the problem. Yeah? It's actually seeing the problem as non-existent or imaginary. Now, that's a damn good solution. Yeah? So instead of just the experience every once in a while of the problem doesn't exist for you, whatever that problem is, your thinking or drugs or whatever like that, you'll have the state of the problem doesn't exist as you, which furthers the experience that the problem doesn't exist for you. And then that experience, based on that state, can last for freaking years that the problem doesn't exist for you anymore. Because now, it's not existing as you. 
if it's still existing as you, you may get a little bit of time where it doesn't exist for you, but it's always bookended with it exists for you again. Yeah. There's no radical re relief, or I haven't seen it anyway in a lot of people I've watched in this program. I haven't seen that radical relief stabilized because I believe the diagnosis is incorrect. They're still taking themselves to be a real solid organic thing, and then this thing called ego, or this other aspect they call self, the thing that's driving them crazy, is the problem. But the sense of being a someone that's being driven crazy is the problem in my view. I don't see it. I don't think there's you that's being driven crazy. I think you and driven crazy are the same little activity. Yeah? I don't see you as being separate and then the you is being driven crazy. Driven crazy needs a you. There needs to be a you to be driven crazy. <laughs> so what would happen if I'm not that you, if that one part, because let's say you can't cut out the other part. You can't out, cut out the driven crazy. You can't cut out the thought system. Yeah, this thinking that's going to go on. You can't cut out feelings occurring because there's on this. But you can drop the first segment of it, the you. You can do that because it's like an it's like an uh, an amendment. It's been grafted on to what's arising, and by the act of claiming what's arising. Yeah? As the one who it's happening to, that's that sense of you. Yeah? That you can be dismissed because it's inherently not so as it's projected. It is not a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. It's a mental activity. It's totally different than being the bona fide you. The one you that's going to be in all your experiences. Yeah? The one historical figure that was born, has been living, went to this school, did this and did that and is worried and concerned about what's going to happen to this you later. That, I don't believe, is a long-lasting separate entity or a down. I'd say it's an activity of a mental process. Yeah? So that, I would say, can drop. So the thought system may arise, feelings may occur, good things may happen to you, and also bad things, but there won't be a strong sense that it's happening to you and if that you has a belief that bad things shouldn't happen to it, it's going to have a really fucking hard time dealing with what it calls bad things happening. Because it's got this huge freaking grudge, hey, this shouldn't be happening. And the worst thing to begin with here is to start with a, 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 a non-acknowledgement of what's so. When something arises and you immediately say, that shouldn't be arising, that's to me the act of playing God, yes? Something's arising, it's already been conscious contact has occurred, and then the mental process rushes in and says, that shouldn't have happened. Yeah? <laughs> so you start from that shouldn't have happened instead of from the acknowledgement, but it did. <laughs> you know, it's much more, it's, it, it sets off a clear path in a, in, in a correct direction when you acknowledge what's so instead of the judgment about it. Yeah? Once the judgment about it is the starting point, it leads you to resentments, <laughs> anxiety, fear. That's where it leads you to. Because you shouldn't be having this terrible thing happening to you. <laughs> it's all right if it happens to them. They deserve it, but you don't. Yeah? This is the beauty of it. When you see the selfing, the part that most of us don't see. So here's the selfing. I'm worrying about next week. So there it is, worrying about next week. So that's what you recognize. Hey, my mind's worrying about next week, but there's a feeling that it's you worrying about next week, right? There's a sense of a historical feeling of you that was here before the worrying of next week occurred and will probably be here after the worrying about next week ends, yes? A you. So there's a feeling that it's you and selfing, and either you're doing the selfing, you know, or the, the thoughts are attacking this you. Yeah? So these things are seen this way, but this is seen like a pop-up. This is me. This is a noun. This is a long-lasting, independent, separate fact called Paul. I'm saying this is selfing also. So the feeling of being the you who's selfing is part of the selfing. The feeling of being the you that the selfing is attacking is part of the selfing. There's no point 
where this, when whatever arises as you shows up, that it goes like this and becomes an authentic you. It's all selfish. There is nobody home. So here, on the consequential level, you're not even aware of worrying about next week as if there's an option. So you're way over here. So you're way at the end of the production line of selfing. And all of its lovely effects are just dropping like on you like a rain. Yeah? Resentments, fucking with me, paranoia, I, me, my, all this, all that. Just pouring down all day, every day, just absorbed in it. And you're... And the whole system is rationalizing, making excuses, blaming, because it's failing miserably, yet you can't entertain leaving it because you identified as it. You identified as what is the failed mechanism of this system that's dominating what you would call your life. You can't leave it. The mind can't even entertain leaving it. That's why it gets loaded. That's why it goes to therapy. That's why it works out eight hours a day. That's why it keeps trying to look better and get plastics, whatever, whatever, whatever. Get me some fucking relief from this. But you can't get relief from it as it. You can't get relief from self as self. You have to maybe, this is how it seems to work for me, maybe just entertain you're not that which is seeking so much relief. Yeah? And maybe when you entertain you're not that, you may finally get a real sense of relief. Yeah? Not for the idea of being Paul, but from the idea of being Paul. Grossly, drastically different. A different thing. In this, if you keep getting relief for the idea of being Paul, it's like a form of slavery. You're going to have to keep getting relief. Over and 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 over again. Because it's insatiable. Because that's not what that's not what's driving you crazy. It's the feeling of being the you that needs relief that's driving us crazy. Yeah? So when I get relief, if I seek relief from it by entertaining, hey, am I that? If I if I actually if it if it registers and clicks and there's a shift in emphasis, hey, I'm not that. Immediately, immediately, the mind that lifts from that identification says, hey, I can be free of it. It could never entertain that for all the years it was underneath, underneath that tyranny. But as soon as it entertains that it's not that, then it can entertain true freedom from it. While it's identified as it, it can only entertain freedom for it. Yeah? Or as it. And that ain't freedom. That's still the bondage of self. Yeah. So if you're looking for the bo- freedom from the bondage of self, the point is, is to see that you're not one. <laughs> really. That's where the relief from the bondage of self occurs. Not trying to make its bondage more comfortable, or maybe more known, and asking all these whys all day, why am I like the way I am? You're not. But wait a minute, I re- I'm, I've been like this for a long time. No, you haven't. It's not dismissing that activity, it's dismissing the one who thinks it was doing the activity. It doesn't have a damn opinion about that. If you need help for that, or if there's a need for help for that, far out. But the sense of being you constantly inserted in all these stories. We're just going to go through all the stories, yeah? And if you just take out the you, I'll just, let's say there's uh, 30 chapters of this one story about you, yeah? You're never going to be loved like that. All right, so we go to chapter four, yeah? And then the, it, the front first page of chapter four, we just take out one you. Just one. One you. Oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the type of person who will never be loved. All right, we're going to take that out. You're not identified as that. I'm telling you, the book would end in about two more pages. It, the next 16 chapters would never be written. Never. As soon as you take out the author... There is no fucking story. There's just what is. And what is seems to disappear very quickly as the day goes by. Yeah? So you start afresh. It's not like, oh, I'm going to start this day over. There's never a a point where you started it. Every moment is the starting of it. Yeah? But the head cannot entertain that as a self. It's soaked in time. You cannot think outside of time 
when you're identified as a self. There's no freaking way. The self is immersed in the feeling of being a historical figure. It needs time. It's one of its main prerequisites. Don't you ever sense your feeling when, you're, when the mind's thinking? And you seem to be in a moment during the day, and it's just like, you know, just riled up against the bit. It just wants to tear off into the future. But let's get on with this. Let's get out of here. I got somewhere. Let's go, you know? There's absolutely very little of it just grazing in the moment. You know? Oh, yeah, it's very tasty. No! It's just driven like someone's whipping it all fucking day. No, a crew value. No! You are never enough. You will not be taken care of. You, oh, you. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you're driven and you never look back. You just keep looking. There's no one on me. Fuck. Oh, God. Ah, oh, graze right now. Oh, yeah. Big shit, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, just fucking look back. The whip has a sting because of who's wielding it. There's meaning to that one that's wielding it. When it plays the judge, when it plays the defense attorney, when it plays the prosecutor, when it plays the convict, when it plays the bad one, when it plays the righteous one, the special one, then the whip has a sting. But when, you, when that phantom is seen not to be so, the whip drops, man. You're freed from this fucking court of life. You've been strung up a long time ago. In your head, you did something wrong. I'll tell you, you know self-centeredness? It's a very, it's this thought system that's running the show here in most people's lives. Yeah? So, when I was young, I was six years old, well, I was about five. Five years old, for the first few years of my life, my father played with me, we did all this and all that. Then he got very ill. And uh, so, the doctor came and told me, and my mother must have told me, and my grandmother must have told me, hey, dad is really ill, he can't play with you anymore, he can't go to, you know, he's not going to be able to throw the ball with you, this and that. And, you know, I heard everything, you know, and it made a lot of sense, but in my gut, in my, in, really deep inside, I felt I must have had done something wrong to make my father not to want to play with me. That's self-centeredness. It's almost inescapable if there's an identification as a self. That's how you're going to look at it. In a sense, you ever read The Course of Miracles, the whole, part, the whole book of The Course of Miracles is built on this presumption of guilt, which is all rooted in self-centeredness, where you and I, because we can entertain the sense that everything could be perfect, yes? That there's love, and there's bliss, and there's light. And yet, when we look at our day, there doesn't seem to be much of it, yeah? So the possibility of bliss and eternal this and this and that is entertained, yet what we see all day doesn't seem to mirror that at all. Who do you think is at fault there? You. Yeah, that's like the primary guilt of all guilt. In a sense, in the Course, they would say, it's like you feel like you separated from God. What the fuck would that make you? If you were that stupid to separate from God, Fucking pretty damn fucking stupid. It's like when I was with this guru when I was younger, he was presented at the Lord of the Universe. I was like 18 years old. This wave of gurus came to America in the 70s. Yeah. And I met one of them. And I, I didn't even meet him. I met a Mahatma, one, like one of his legion, whatever. And I got in, you know, uh, initiated into this form of meditation. Yet, he was presented as the Lord of the Universe, which is a pretty big position. Yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with it. I mean, if you're going to go for it, you might as well go for the Lord of the Universe. It wasn't even like the king of this planet, but the Lord of the whole freaking universe. So there's the Lord of the Universe, and there was a lot of people that were, hey, that's the Lord. And like the, the girlfriend I had at the time, she was devoted to the Lord of the Universe. She'd rush up to the front of every program, sit there, and I'm the way in the back, you know. Because the weird thing is, there was the Lord of the Universe, and there was me, and I didn't like the Lord of the Universe. <laughs> now, what does that make me, as a devotee or a spiritual seeker, when I don't like the Lord of the Universe? Pretty damn fucking bad. And you know what? 
I was convicted of that little case. And for five years in that program with him, I went through fucking emotional, mental hell. I was trying to plan on how I could kill him. How I was going to shoot him. I was at this big festival in Orlando, Florida. It's like a seven-day festival. And used to get in a car, like an open-air convertible, and drive around the grounds. And I figured, if I got like a little, like a time-delayed dart, and I hit him, and then he wouldn't pass away about to 100 yards, they would never know it was fucking me. And I'd, be fucking, I'd finally be freed from this. I could finally be okay with what I wanted to do. Instead of being incredibly guilty because I don't want to see the Lord of the universe. <laughs> Who the hell would not want to see the Lord of the universe? This is insanity, yeah? But totally engaged. Self totally can't get out of self. I was in a fucking spiritual hell. I swear to God, I just wouldn't take permission to do what I was felt I wanted to do. It was just, that's how destroyed I was in this in this state of self-centeredness, in a way. Yeah. So this feeling, like when something's not going well, sometimes deep down you think it's you, even though it has nothing to do with you. This is self-centeredness, yeah? This is one of the effects of playing God. Who could, how, you must be thinking you're God if you could separate from God. I mean, I would say God would be the major glue, not you. Yeah. If God didn't want to separate, there'd be no separating. For you, you'd have to be a bigger God to believe that you could separate from God. And you say, oh no, sorry God. I'm out to be unique and relevant and special for about 70 years as a body. So fuck you. I don't need you. No. This is, uh, you know, this is insanity. So what we're looking at is the idea of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. And how that idea is reinforced and inferred and assumed and pointed at is through the act of my, M-Y, which is the act of claiming, the act of being the proprietor, right? The act of being the owner. It's like simple. We did it the other night. Very easy. So here, that's a bottle, right? So when I say that's a bottle, the emphasis is on the bottle, yeah? Isn't it? Now I add one little word, my bottle. Where's the emphasis on now? The owner of the bottle, isn't it? My bottle infers that there's someone who owns that bottle or has that bottle, Yeah? As soon as the my is put onto the bottle, which is actually so, it's appearing here, the my, now that my infers that there's, there's an owner or, or a claimer or a proprietor of the bottle. This is how the act of identifying or claiming everything, seeing, hearing, feeling, tasting, touching, everything the conditional mind comes in contact with, it tries to take advantage of. And how the advantage it takes of it is it, it clips my onto it, then the meaning of this gets underemphasized and it infers a huge meaning that there's someone who has that, yeah? There's a my. The my is like a finger that's always pointing at the phantom subject. But you never see the phantom subject. You just call it you. But you've never seen it. Never. Never. You've never seen who you're calling Paul. Oh, I saw it this morning when I looked in the, in the mirror. No, you saw a body. You didn't see Paul. Yeah? If, if Hwang Po, this master, was correct when he said, whatever, whatever can be perceived can't perceive, then obviously the body isn't what's perceiving here. The body isn't what's seen. So the idea of Paul can never be seen, yet it's held as a body. Yeah? Why it can never be seen? Because what I am can never be seen. Because it's the seeing. I can never become aware of what's aware. Yeah? I can never become aware of what's aware. What my mind can do is reflect the awareness. Yes? Instead of reflecting this agitated mental process called selfing. Yeah? The reason why it can't seem to reflect anything else is because the selfing presents itself to be about us. This is the lot. It's the interest and attention gets locked into whatever you take yourself to be. If you take yourself to be a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, you're going to be addicted to the thought system that's all about that. If you look at the thought system, it pictures you as a body. It doesn't picture you as anything other than that. 
It picks, when it thinks about you, how it can picture something is by thinking. That's what the thought system does, yes? It creates, it makes things, it conceptualizes things. Its form of seeing is thinking. And the way it sees you through thought is as a body. When it's worrying about you next week, you're presented as a body next week. You're not presented as a spirit. I damn well know that. Because you couldn't entertain, you couldn't worry about a spirit next week. Because you couldn't recognize the difference. I mean, it's like this room, this space. I don't recognize the space in this room. Oh, I saw this space three years ago, you know, in another part of the church. No, the space is always so. It doesn't have a nature that can be felt, seen, tasted, and touched. That's why it's everlasting. It's nothing. But here, the body takes you, as a, the thought system takes you as a body, places it somewhere else at some other time, and does what? It thinks about it. Yeah? It thinks. And in the thinking, it's almost like Jesus says, it's in the thinking that makes it so. So the thinking process makes it so. It can't create it. You will never be yourself, but it makes it seemingly so. If you're absorbed in that, it's gonna, you're going to feel like this. <laughs> That's as simple as that. <laughs> Change the thoughts as much as you want, but the thinker will still, still be the same. You'll still be taking yourself to be the thinker. <laughs> it's that act of claiming that's the bonding. It's not the thought. The thoughts are a vehicle for meaning, but the meaning doesn't come from the thought. The meaning comes from the system that's claiming the thought through being the thinker of it. Meaning. You're just living a conditional idea of life. You know? That's all it is. It's not, not a new thought under the sun. They're all the same old, same old thoughts. When that's... It was like that. I used that example when, when, when I was in that... I went to that sweat. I love that. It killed me. I went to a sweat. I didn't have much information about Native American Indian stuff or anything. But uh, a woman would told me about this huge sweat they were going to have at Mount Shasta. They had it like every year, once a year. On that le- on, in that society, it's like a big event, you know, in that little subculture. Sweat goes, whatever, yeah. So she said, let's go up there. So I said, yeah, I was open to things. I said, all right. So I went up there with her. I didn't know anybody there except for her. You know? And there was like 500 people there. They had this Native American Indian, and they built this huge lodge. You know, They put all these like covers, and they have a big pit with rocks, and then they, their rocks come out of a fire, super hot, and they throw water with like uh, herbs on it and stuff. And it really creates this, and it's like a super steam room, sauna room, like in a second. And there's no way out. There's just one flat. Yeah? And it's a way of purifying and getting yourself through the body to get to such a point, maybe your mind will shift, I guess. So there I am, it's my first sweat, and some people were standing up, so I was holding on to the rafters like a subway, you know? And then the, the flat went down, and then the heat began. <laughs> and it was fucking unbelievable. And I couldn't sit down because the whole, someone was sitting where I could have sat down. So I was stuck standing up, and heat rises. So I'm getting cooked. Yeah, like my underarms were burning inside my nostrils, my ears. I was just getting fried. And I, was just, I was just begging for this. I said, don't put any more water on it. Just this end, but I wasn't going to leave because I'm a fucking good spiritual seeker. No fucking way. I'd be, my spiritual pride, you went out early. Oh, no, no good sweat, whatever. So, no, I'm not going. So they finally open, and I run out of washing by people, and I jump in the stream, and it's great. I go back in. Yeah? I did this for two or three days, and it was really, really painful. I mean, <laughs> I mean, and the guy, the Native American Indian, was putting his hand on my, the woman's thigh inside because she was sitting next to him. He was making the moves on her in this holy ceremony. It you was know, fucking incredible. You know, the same old, same old shit. You know what I mean? So... Swear to God. So years pass, and I entertain this possibility along the way. Yeah? So my friends, Christian, this guy from Minnesota, he lives in now. He, him, and his other friends, were got into the Native American Indian. They're all white guys, you know, from 
Marin, but they were into it. And they, uh, they, ha- they got a, a Native American Indian from Oklahoma, and they brought him up to Petaluma. And they're going to have it at this guy's backyard. He's a big back- and he built a, you know, they followed the instructions, built a, a sweat thing. And, uh, and he wanted me to come. I said, I'm going to support this. You know? So I go there, and they have food and drink outside. So we all go into the, the, the thing, and then it starts. And as soon as I noticed it was hot, I got up and left. <laughs> I said, it's, my mind went, it's hot. I went by, just got up and left. And I, I could hear them praying and moaning. And I had all the food and the drinks, the, you know, the crystal geyser water. And the stars were out. What had happened to me in those years? I was freed from the bondage of self. That one version of bondage of self was that spiritual self. Yeah. The one that won't get up from the, the, the pillow until everyone else gets up, so you feel like you're the best meditator. Yes. From the best devotee. Yeah. That one was so thoroughly dismissed, the natural recognition was, I'm hot and get up. <laughs> it, <wasn't> <laughs> it was really simple, very clean. Yeah. And all that debate and everything that had just been occupying my interest and attention since I was a young kid has been dismissed. So when I'm doing something, that's what's happening. Yeah. There may be uh, debating on the periphery, and I hear it, but there's no listening to it anymore. It does not rule the roost. It's not living an interpretation of this life. I'm aware of reflecting the conscious contact of this life. And that is full-on living. And it's rewarding in and of itself. This whole idea of having to accrue value, you realize you're inherently the most valuable thing there is, which is awareness. Yes? You can't add on to it, nor can you subtract to it. Yes? Like Jesus said, you cannot add on to your stature or subtract through any thought. Yeah? Any effort and thought on your part isn't going to produce a bigger result than this already is. Yeah? It's just recognizing, in a sense, the irrelevance of that screaming little voice box selfing, yeah? And the irrelevance is it's not you. It's not you. And then life starts becoming the dominant influence. No interpretation, no narration, yes? No debating, no opinion gathering, no critiquing, but just living, yeah? And when you really live something, you don't need much memory of it because you were actually there. You really were. Yeah? I mean, when I go on a trip, I don't have to take pictures and I don't ever tell anyone really when I get back because when I'm here, I'm here. It's like that never existed. But when I was there, that was... And this never existed. That, I like that kind of living. It's nice and clean. And you got all your money's worth. Well, you were here. Yeah? And that, I feel, is what you're really missing. Not the you that keeps appearing as a projection in one's head, but what you and I really are is really inherently missing in our lives most of the time. We're unconscious to the fact that we're consciousness. And it produces so many shenanigans, really. Like it says in recovery, you know, being convinced that self manifested in various ways. So when the mind relies on this system called self-centeredness, that system manifests in various ways, and those things get up to no good. Anxiety, resentments, harm done to others, fear, all like that. Those are manifestations of self in one's life. How do they have access to your life? So, like, full on is because there's an identification with that, yeah? So every time, if it enters into your relationship house, when it knocks on the door, you let it right in because you call it me. Finances, me. Oh yes, let me. I'm going to bring my my own opinion on this situation. All right, me. Come on, come on in here. It it infiltrates every aspect of what you call your life, and it shits all over it in a lot of ways. It leaves all of its little manifestations, and you know what? They live in time. A fear is not just a passing emotion. A fear, an anxiety, lasts in time. It sets off circumstances that bring you misfortune, you feel you don't deserve. It can't be so, but it can have a big impact here. It can appear to have a huge influence, yes? There is a solution. The real, true solution is there is no problem. 
seriously. Because the problem isn't the selfing, the problem is the feeling of being a self. And there isn't one. So inherently, the problem, or the let's say, the, the, the source of all of this manifestation is erroneous, it's phantom. So you don't have to slog through all the expressions, just get to the root. If the root ain't so, there ain't no fruit on that tree. Then you're going to be confronted with an incredible thing. What are you going to do with yourself all night? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> that was the, one of the biggest things that happened. What's next? <laughs> what the fuck am I going to do? <laughs> I had those slacker tendencies anyway, so it just was... Of so it's just a matter of time so I got used to it because <laughs> I had that in- inclination of not doing much anyway <laughs> but see some people have a hard time they have to be busy it's not like a choice there's no choice anyway they have to be their mind has to be busy because it doesn't want to have the, uh, the time and the space to uh, recognize its irrelevance yeah very, very threatening. You ever been in a relationship and you used to do your shit on them, you know? Maybe it was tricky stuff. You'd dump on them or project, yes? Or you'd try to set up like they'd have to prove their love for you. There would be these unseen markers, but you knew exactly where they were and how high they were set. And they were meant for them to fail, you know what I mean? In a relationship. Let's say that was going on. And then one day, the lady that you were seeming to uh, dump all the shit on has had enough. Yes. she's made a decision and when women make decisions it's different than when men make decisions men can be swayed from a decision just by some flesh you know very easily but women once they've arrived at a point there's usually no going back yeah and so when that lady isn't buying your shit yeah I mean it flips your mind out because it hates the sense that it's totally irrelevant to her it has no effect on her anymore. And it flips it out. Yeah, It flips it out. Because it's one of its main cogs or drives is to be relevant. Sometimes to cause people suffering produces irrelevance. Yeah. To get back on someone for some past slight that some other female supposedly had done to you produces irrelevance. But when that relevance, when she doesn't have that look anymore, and she's not buying the shit you're selling, man, it flips the mind out. Same thing with time. When people have a lot of time, it can be very threatening to the conditionality. Because it's an engine of seeking and accruing value. And it doesn't look like you're doing much. <laughs> and therefore, there's not no values being accrued, and let's get on with it. Fuck, come on! The whip comes out, and so, yeah. So I find, you know, a lot of times, a lot of people. When I first heard this message, it used to be beautiful platitudes, you know, the eternal ocean of bliss, and uh, all that stuff, which sounds great, but it didn't work for me because. It's sort of like a wave hearing about the ocean. It may really love the ocean. It may really want to have experiences in the ocean. But it wants to know the ocean as a wave. Yeah? It doesn't recognize that it's identified as something it's not. So the ocean is the wave, but the wave isn't the ocean. Yeah? The ocean is the wave, but the wave doesn't think it's the ocean. The wave thinks it's a wave that wants to know the ocean. Yeah? So all the beautiful descriptions used to just feed that dilemma, my, this mental dilemma. When I questioned the wave, am I a wave, and it was seen not to be so, that's the ocean. Yeah. That's the ocean, like immediately. It was never not the ocean, but it becomes news to the wave. Yeah. It does. So that's sort of the approach we, we're, we're attempting here is just keep entertaining and sharing about what we're not so that there can be a recognition of it. Instead of seeing from it, let's make it something that we see. And if you start seeing where you used to see from, there's going to be a hit that, what is that which is seeing what I used to take myself to be? 
Maybe that's what I really am. Maybe I'm the scene of what I'm not. It's never going to be captured under glass because it's a verb in a sense. It's seeing. It's not a seer. You can't go and find the seer because every moment you're looking, that's what's seeing. Every moment there's self-centered looking, it's riding on the seeing. If you would just question the the center of looking, which is a looker, saying to hey, it may not be that, then you get a sense of the seeing, what in the activity of what you used to call looking. Yeah? You'll get the sense of the seeing. And you'll get a hit that it's always been that way. It's not something that was just added on to or just came about because you were ready. It was always like that. Always is like that and always will be like that. It was never like what you thought it was. All it was is what you thought it was. <laughs> 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 yeah. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. But if you entertain these ideas, these invitations, I have a pretty good faith that you'll travel lighter over the geography of your life. Yeah, it just seems to work that way. And then through the traveling lighter, you get a really strong hit of what was causing the traveling heavier. Simple as that. You know the problem by the solution. You can't know the problem by the problem. No fucking way. It just doesn't work. But you can know the problem by the solution. Yeah. 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 And the problem's imaginary. That's the good news. Yeah. I mean, how would you ever be conjured up if you didn't think about you? If there was no thought about you, there would be no you to be thought about. Seriously. Yeah? If there was no thought about you, there would be no you to be thought about. <laughs> the thought system presents a you. Then there's the taking of it to be true. The A drops off and now it's you. And the whole ball game gets self-centered, yes. A very, very wide aperture of seeing now becomes a form of looking called self-centeredness. And now, like St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. So busily looking for, but what's looking is actually seeing. Yeah? What's looking is seeing. But what's looking is what you are looking for. Yeah? But... Wait a minute, so why can't I see it? Well, because it's what's looking. No, I'm what's looking. No. (laughs) And so, what's looking is what you and I are looking for. But it's not called what's looking, it's seeing. Yeah? Now, St. Francis could have said who's looking, but he didn't say that. He said what's looking. So he made it impersonal. Yeah? So that we wouldn't fall under the idea that, oh, there's an authentic self. My real self is looking, is seeing. But the false self is looking. No, I don't see it that way. There is no authentic self. There's only an authentic self appearing in the false self. (laughs) Self can never get out of self. So there's no authentic self that's going to crawl out of the false self. It's still a part and parcel of the false. Yeah? He can't escape it. Self can't get out of self. How could a, a product of a mental process ever leave the process that's producing it? It can't. It doesn't exist anywhere else. Yeah? If a mental process is producing a feeling of being you, that you could never leave the mental process and still be the feeling of you. Because it's a, it's a product of the mental process. Without the mental process producing it, it doesn't appear to be so. Yeah? If, you, if, if it could possibly transcend the mental process, that would mean it was inherently something to begin with. That's not true. It's a projection of the mind, this vague feeling of being you. Yeah? Every time something is claimed, there's a feeling of being the, the past claimant and the future claimant of many other things. Yeah? So it seems very innocent that the bottle is held as my bottle, 
but it's just a habit. The bottle will be traded in for a person, a car, a problem, but the mind, the act of the mind will be the same. Yeah. So whatever becomes in contact with, it claims it through the mind, and now it, everything that happens is used to point to who it's happening to. Yeah? Oh, it's a weird sound. It's like that, you know, the exercise thing? You ever see that South Park where the, the lady does it and it ejaculates? Oh, it was a great, great show. Did you see that one? That was great. They were doing that muscle toner, and it was like, it had a voice box that's going, yes, yes, Susan, more, more, and it was one of the best ones I've ever seen. <laughs> they had it running for, like, I think, three times. It was the mother of a car, not Carmen, the other one. This is like, and she's getting in great shape. <laughs> and the guy's going, yeah, keep going. <laughs> and then they started talking to her. Don't you want to work out? <laughs> Where were we in that? I didn't leave it at that. That was good. So, yeah, yeah. My, yes? A thought. Just a thought, but my thought. Feeling. Many different feelings, yeah? My feeling. The same mind. Yeah. All these thoughts, the same mind. Bottle, my bottle. Book, my book. All of these things is constantly pointing all day to this imaginary subject, this imaginary noun, yeah? And by the thinking about it, it makes it so. So there's the thought about it all day, and it makes it seemingly so. Is it so? I don't believe it is. But it makes it seem so. Yeah? So what would happen if we question that mind, let's say? Am I the thinker? I, let's just take the thought system. Do you really believe that you're thinking these thoughts? That you, Deb, as an inherent, separate thing, is doing an activity called thinking. So each thought is begotten by you. You're giving it birth. You're the one that's coming up with that thought. Yeah? It's weird because if you talk to a lot of people, especially let's say in recovery meetings, they seem to have very similar thoughts that you have and similar feelings and similar reactions. Now, either how do they get your thoughts or they're not your thoughts? Yeah? They're just thoughts. Yeah? This person has alcoholism, they have, they have a big, vast array of what you would call alcoholic thoughts. And they have alcoholic feelings. And they have alcoholic reactions to life and situations, yes? Other people have another form of self-centeredness, more culturally oriented, so their thoughts are a different way, yeah? But all the people in the same culture will think in a similar way, yes? The thought systems, there's like maybe 20 different hats, yeah? So as you're going by, oh, I got the alcoholic hat, and then you get the you know, shopaholic hat, and you get the whatever hat. And yet, all the while that thought system is doing its thing, there's a sense of being the one that's doing it. That's the real bondage. It doesn't matter if you change hats. It's the head that the hat sits on is the problem, not the hats. Yeah? You can keep changing hats to all your whole life, but it's on the same noggin. Yeah? This is what we want freedom from, not hats. That's come and go. You wear them at times. But this, this idea of being the one who's doing it, you know how much guilt and shame that projects on the whole activity of thought? If you're doing it and then you have opinion that they're bad thoughts, what does that make you? Bad. Yeah. You've got to read the logic of the conditional mind. It's very simplistic. If you have, a, you, know, you have an itch and you scratch it, you suffer. Yeah? If this thought is bad and you're the one who thought it, then it infers that you're bad. Yes? If this, if this thought was harmful to other people and you're the one who thought it, then you're harmful to other people. Yeah? If this thought was perverse and sick and most people, if they knew I did that, they, they would not like me, that makes me a very unlikable, secretive person. Yeah? You don't know what the black magic occurs through the mind. When a thought and a feeling and a problem and a situation and a girl or a boy becomes my girlfriend or my boyfriend, the whole thing changes. Everything shifts with the mind. 
It's like almost leaving one modality into a distinct, incredibly different other modality. Yeah? And as soon as the mind becomes so, it will visit all the other modalities, but as the one. Yeah? As the false phantom. So when it goes to a spirituality modality, it's that, it's, I'm the one who's becoming spiritual. It drags the same old self-centered modality into everything else you're introduced to. Into recovery, into this, into that. That same system doesn't stay inherently, seemingly in its, its own system. It gloms on to every other system as the one that's doing the other system, yeah? That's why it's not about changing hats or changing seats. Because the same sense of being the one who left the one seat is the sense of the one who's sitting in the new seat. Yeah? The problem migrates. So this, for me, was like became the last answer. It just rang true. An unspoken yes. And that thing's been echoing now for quite a while. And I haven't had any desire. I haven't looked one second for any other answer. And before that, I've been looking for a lot of answers, yeah? Usually going back to some old answers that weren't really answers anyway, and battling on on. But this one seemed to be the last answer. It resonates. It actually provoked a radical relief. And I find truly what you're looking for is satisfaction. It's the best solution to dissatisfaction. You can have a big story why it's okay to be dissatisfied here, but fuck it, you don't particularly enjoy it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can make it noble, but you'd much rather not be having it. You know, when, when you get satisfied, all that story about why it's okay not to be satisfied, all that baloney is erased and you're okay. Yeah, fuck. You don't need much of a story when you're okay. All the stories come from when you're seemingly not okay. Any questions? You okay? Now you feel different, John, eh? Yeah, baby. Well, I, I was disrespectful when I asked you stuff, but I was curious if your friend did serve somebody's perspective of those women that are drinking such expensive wine and going to such nice restaurants with afterwards. I never talked to him after it, but I knew it would work because I knew if he got out of self, he would see it in a different way. Yeah? Use an example. You said you're looking at the picture, not the frame. You sure it's not the other way around? You're looking at the frame, not the picture. No, no. The picture is all the mental states. The frame of the mental states is the self-centeredness. Yeah. Yeah. The frame is the same. Tons of mental states arises in it, so they look like different pictures, but there's the same frame. Uh, I guess the last one says so. Hmm? I think that what I walked away with tonight was Nothing. No, no, your message that the vision is real, the problems are imaginary. Yes, yes, yes. The seeing, obviously. For a problem to even appear, it must be seen. Seeing initiates everything here, yeah? It's the true Alpha and the Omega, not you or not God or anything like that, but seeing. Awareness, consciousness is it. It's the context of this place and it's also the medium of this place. Yes? Everything else is just an appearance in it. Not just, it's an appearance in it. To try to, it's weird to, to try to elevate the appearance and make it primary or prior to the causality is, to me, incredibly crazy. Yeah? What would happen if you decide to be distinctly different and special? You have to live in a sense of separation for you to entertain being so different. Yeah? Is it worth it, really? Did the different really pay off? The being really special pay off in your life so much? Did it? I mean, really, you know, being so unique, has it really been really glamorous being so unique? Yeah? I guess. So if you uh, get to the point where you realize that there are no problems, how do you get out of bed in the morning? Well, the thing is, it's not like there is no problems. There is no problem. Like, there's no one who has the problem. There are problems here, for sure. And the fact is, you'll find out. Maybe you won't get up out of bed. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't see any rote, you know? It's not like uh, this, therefore, that. It's very spontaneous, so I don't know what would happen. Yeah, I argued this with the Tibetan Buddhist 
from a ton of Santa Cruz, and uh, we didn't argue it, but we're like, we feel really good all the time. This thing, whatever this is, I really don't feel a need to get out of bed. We just sat in bed. That's good. If you have the time and luxury and you don't feel like you need to, then lay in bed. I may start laying on the floor. I don't feel like I need to sit up anymore. <laughs> yeah, just like it starts becoming spontaneous and more immediate. Yeah. A lot of what it's been drenched in, like time and uh, mental occupation, lifts. And so it gets a lot more spacious, and you want to call it a presence, or what you were sensing becomes obvious. And that has a huge influence on what you would call living here. You, know? you travel lighter in my experience with it. And I mean, for you know, it's, it doesn't say it's going to change the terrain or the geography of your life, but you'll travel lighter, whatever the destiny is as an action figure. Yeah, that's what I've noticed. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's been pay, it's done it for years. I got a, a lot large enough uh, sample that I know it's so, even in a logical way. It didn't, I don't need to know it's so because it is, but in a way, it's demonstrated its validity over time because a lot of things have happened to me over the years, and I've traveled lighter over them, no matter what they were. Yeah, so, and I would say that's the point. not why you're traveling, but how you travel. Yeah. If you're really into how you travel, you won't give a shit about why. It doesn't mean much. It really doesn't. It's like the mind trying to know something as if that makes it anything. It's just an activity. It's attempting to make nothing into something all day. It's mm-hmm. all it's driving to do. That it finds some kind of solace with something. It's a little jittery with nothing. <laughs> it's a, it doesn't know what to fucking do with nothing. You know what I mean? It tries to make it something, but nothing keeps persisting to be nothing. <laughs> and when it sees that it's like an immovable nothing, it tries to really distract itself from it. It doesn't really want to pay attention to you know, the conditional mind. It doesn't. So if you're waiting for you to join in on your pursuit of freedom, you're waiting, it's never going to join in. It wants to want to be free, maybe, but it doesn't want to be free. No way. I've seen it. That was revealed to me, and I don't think I'm special. After doing lots of meditation and stuff, you would be brought to certain states, and I'll tell you, the... Uh, the incredible importance of doing your laundry used to coincide with that state arising of real incredible freedom. <laughs> the last thing you wanted to do was enjoy it. You would sit there for days, but as, when it's finally opened up, you were out of there. <laughs> That's what scares you. Not the pursuit. If you ever, if you fall upon it, see the whole, the idea of pursuit is to hide it. You know? You're never going to find what you're seeking for because, as they say, the cliche, it's the, it's the seeker, that's what you're looking for, what you are, yeah? So pursuing it is a great way of hiding, yeah? But if sometimes, even in a pursuit, it falls, the grace comes and you're left with the, and it's very obvious that what was pursuing it had no intention of ever finding it. <laughs> it scared shit of it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but if you're not that, there's no pursuit. Yeah. And you get lift, that need to be liberated gets lifted. The only thing that needs to be liberated is what's bound. Yeah. And that's self. You are not bound. And so the need to be liberated for me was one of the biggest things that dropped. No need to be liberated. I have no interest in it whatsoever. What's here now would be what I thought would be there then. <laughs> this is what is. Well, where's there to go? Where before, all I wanted was to get out of here. It was my whole drive when I was a kid. Drugs and alcohol and spiritual seeking. They were all trying to escape. Really. Everyone, every last bit of it, that was the main agenda in my head, was in just another form of escape. Let's get out of here. Yeah? Now I realize, how can you transcend an imaginary place? It's impossible. Yeah? You can't transcend something that's not so. 
So actually the transcendence of this place is being here. Really. Ah, ah. When you're really here, you realize you're really not. <laughs> you know? Really. So it seems to be working. Any other questions? Yes? Yes? No? No? All right, great. I think I'll pass the basket. Oh, it actually worked today, I think. Ha, ha, ha.